Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Bucketeers podcast. I'm your host, Tampa Tones. I got my playoff beard in full force. As you can tell, we got Stunna and Cats in the building as well. Cody G's out tonight, but uh, he, he wishes everyone well, along with Bucko the Bruce. will be on Thursday's show as we're running it twice a week for the playoffs as we're going for two, so why the hell not? We're joined by friend of the show, special guest, one of the best in the business, member of Pewter Reports. Um, you know, top-notch stuff there. Best Bucks content around, obviously. They got some of the best in the business between John Ledyard, JC himself, Scott Reynolds, and the rest of the crew. So you can find all this man's uh, tweets, and you can find outlets to his work at JC Allen NFL is a Twitter handle. We'll bring him in shortly. We got a good one tonight. We're going to try and keep it a little shorter. The Lightning are playing. I know Katz is probably, you know, a little wound up over there with the Lightning on. He's he, he We're distracting him. Um, at least we got a late game against the Kings, so they haven't quite even started yet, man. Uh, talk about late starts. And then we got Stun in the building as well. So going to be a fun little show. Without further ado, JC, how the hell are you, sir? Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to join you guys, uh, you know, especially after this big Bucks win to advance the divisional round. Big opponent, revenge game, rematch game, whatever you want to call it. Should be uh, should be good any way you slice it. And uh, luckily, it's in Tampa this time. Yeah, that, that's for dang sure. Obviously, we squared up against the Rams uh, earlier this year. That one was in L.A. And, uh, yeah, we'll, t- we'll, we'll dip into that one in a little bit as well um that that was uh that that was it felt so long ago it's honestly a completely different rams and bucks team both teams have added people both teams have lost some people so we'll 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 see but yeah big win on sunday we'll get more into that as well uh, once again thanks for joining someone's a fan of yours cleveland me joe from uh cleveland me comments big fan of jc um you know we are too man we're we're lucky he's appreciate here you. appreciate you yeah. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Cats and Stunner, how the hell are we doing tonight, my friends? Uh, thanks for joining. As always, another night of Bucks talk. Great to be here, as always. Yeah, I know Word you're up. fired up, Stunner. How the hell are oh, you? Yeah. you? You were at the game on Sunday, man. You, I know you're nervous for the Rams, but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there. Bro, that, that game's atmosphere was, was ridiculous. The energy, the electricity. That place was rocking. Anyone was there, and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Super Buck fans were there too. That uh, you know, these Bucks, Buck Nasty, all the guys, uh, you know, Super Buck, all the guys were there, man. All the uh, the winches dressed up like pirates, man. It was rocking, though. It was very nice. Yeah, it seemed rocking. And from a couple quotes from Dallas Goddard, the tight end, and other players, it seemed like for the first time I could remember that players actually saying it was hard to hear in Raymond James Stadium from the opposing team. You don't get that often. Uh, that was actually from John Ledyard's, tw- Ledyard's Twitter as well. So shout out to Pewter Report for coming through there. Cats, how you feeling after the win on Sunday? Uh, I know you're not nervous for the Rams game coming up. <laughs> Well, feeling great over that. And, and you know, I, there was a time, uh, I mean, it's been a while, where Raymond James was a, was at one point, and now it seems to become, again, a place where opposing teams did not want to come into. You know, it was a very loud building. Uh, Bucks had some terrible years at home. And this year, they've, I guess you could turn back the clock a bit. They're now 8-1 eight, eight and one at home. 
Uh, they've never gone nine and one. They never actually played a 10th home game, but it was a great performance. Uh, you know, I know the Eagles, you know, were probably, you know, now looking back, you say, well, they were the weakest playoff team, but Hey, the bucks earned the right to play that because they got the number two seed. The Rams had a chance at that and did not get it. Um, and better yet, you know, I was not there. Unfortunately, what I did notice in seeing some videos and I'm not a proponent for violence, but I don't like Philly fans that live here. I don't like them coming here. And I don't want them feeling welcome in my stadium if they're going to act like assholes. And from what I saw, it looked like they got roughed up a bit. And I want to show a shout out to everybody who did that. You know, you know, they think we're, we're all Southern hospitable people, and we are, until you fuck with us. And if you do, then we're not going to be – we shouldn't be hospitable. And I'm tired of it. And, you know, I've had actually people complain to me that Lightning fans are rude at one point. I said, no, we're actually really nice. Same with Bucks fans and Rays fans. I don't want to always be so nice, man. I want to be on the winning side of things, and I want to be, you know, a little rough on these people. And it looked like that's what happened on Sunday. So shout out to all those Buck fans out there who, who were there and those who gave Eagle fans a tough time because they deserve that because they are the biggest motherfucking assholes out there, especially the ones that live here, and they got a taste of their own medicine. And it was beautiful. Oh, and it may as well have been Donovan McNabb, and our, and our DBs must have been Rondé Barber out there. It was beautiful, man. Felt like it was 2002 again. I, I did love every minute of that, and I loved every minute of uh, your introduction there. And, um, you know, if you're an Eagles fan listening, I guess you can uh, get fucked, in other words, from cats. So, That's thank right. You. And everybody thinks that about Eagle fans that aren't Eagle fans. I'm not, you know, I'm not just speaking for Bucks fans. Everybody thinks that. There's a reason that they haven't so, caught on yet. Every, Eagles fans were talking shit about their own team. Yeah, I mean, they oh they do that too. Yeah, I mean you know you know they're oh we're gonna take over your stadium. Well, then there was a decent amount. There's a lot of them live here, whatever. But like I said, you know they go home losers, uh, and you know they don't deserve to just be treated politely if they're gonna act like jerks. And from what I heard, they were acting like it, and they deserved it. That's it. Well, they're you know, Whether it's Flyers fans, Eagles fans, Phillies fans, I I think we can all agree uh, they're they're a certain type of way, man. They're all a bunch of jackasses. They booed Santa Claus one year, man. That's when I knew they were full of shit. They booed Santa Claus. They mocked Joe Jurovicious after his son was ill and later died. May he rest in peace. Um, Yeah, a few years ago, I was at a Flyers lightning game, the lightning won, so they started doing the Eagles chat. And they're just a bunch of bunch of scumbag motherfuckers excuse me i'm really wow we don't have a bleeper here so i'm just it's just all coming out this is a, this is the eagles a... just gets me fired up and playing the rams a team that you know again i, I despise from previous playoff engagements um i was not alive for the first one but i know about it whatever on that because you know i know i know the history of it but the last one 23 years ago now um and recent, you know, games against them have not gone our way. So, yeah, I've had a, I got a lot of hate for the Rams as well. So, again, we're kind of throwing the clock back here with these opponents. And, yeah, so you sandwich, you know, the Eagles and then the Rams back-to-back. Yeah, you're going to get me a bit riled with that. <laughs> They're good kind of riled up, though. Put your boxing gloves on. JC, what's your biggest takeaways from the Eagles game? What did you see out there that you liked? What did you see out there that you think could – use a little work and did you see anything of a big concern heading into Sunday's game from uh, the wild card round? 
I really liked, obviously, the way the defense stepped up and the offense, you know, hot starts by both of them. The offense goes down, scores a touchdown, defense holds them, um, and really took them right out of what they wanted to do, uh, which was run the ball and, and clock management. So that was great to see the defense, you know, still not full strength. Sean Murphy bunting, you know, out that out this week. So we still have not yet to see the entire starting defense out there for one game yet this season. Um, and, you know, I think if you go back to last year's playoff game um, against Washington, you saw a team that really wasn't, you know, besides a few players, obviously Tom and Gronk and some of these other guys, they weren't really playoff tested. They didn't really understand what a playoff atmosphere, playoff game would be like. And, and now they have that. Now they're ready to go. They understand what's what's at stake. They understand what it all means. And, and you really saw them go out there and execute like a team that knows they're it's a one game series. Every series is a one and done. And that was really encouraging to see. Um, the flexibility of the defense, just, you know, even with guys on a pitch count like LVD, uh, Shaq, and JPP all on pitch counts. And then, you know, you lose Anto- uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. Antoine Winfield's a guy that steps up in the slot. So that versatility was great. Joe Tryon Shenka, again, showing off his versatility that he has. Um, and, and just some different looks by Todd Bowles. You know, <clears throat> on offense, guys stepped up. And, and Byron Leftwich said it you know, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks now, um, after losing Gawain and Antonio Brown, the product, the names aren't there, but the production is still there. The production hasn't dropped off. You know, Tom Brady's thrown for 271 yards um, and guys are stepping up, whether it's Mike, you know, Gronkowski last week, Mike Evans this week. And that's what you need. You're going to need those guys to step up more than anybody else, but you're still getting a good amount of production out of the wide receiving group as a whole. So that's encouraging to see. Obviously, Giovanni Bernard coming back, playing that role as that, you know, pass catching back out of the backfield, you know, five catches, 39 yards. He had another touchdown on, on, on a running play. So, you know, getting him back was, you know, obviously a, a fresh boost, kept Le'Veon Bell off the field. And now you might be getting Leonard Fournette back as well. So that's going to be good. I will say what concerns me um, – uh, concerns me being a little too predictable. Uh, the, now they've gotten away from running on first down the last couple of games, more up tempo, which is I, I really like to see that. Um, as far as blitzing, <laughs> you know, Bulls has an affinity for blitzing, and it, and it could hurt you this upcoming game. Um, so you know, I think you got to pick your moments because if you look at what this Rams team has been able to do, specifically through the air against the Bucks, it hasn't been pretty. Yeah, when Vea and Sue drop back, and uh, I, I think both safeties blitz that play, uh, Winfield and Whitehead, that was uh, incredible. I'm like, man, Pop, I was watching the game with my dad. I'm like, look at Vea drop back like that. It, it, it was crazy. Bulls, the packages of schemes he comes up with are insane. Uh, also, I, I like a couple of the things you mentioned. The pitch counts. Um, every week, Greg Allman tweets the you know snap percentage for every player. Anthony Nelson and um, Joe Tryon Showenko were pretty much equals to JPP and Shaq Barrett this week. I, I was tweeting with Evan Winter about two months ago, and this tweet now uh, would even stand more bold, I believe. I, I said Anthony Nelson for comeback player of the year or most surprising player on this team, maybe not comeback player. I forget what it was exactly, but most improved. Yeah. Most improved. Thank you. I drawn a blank right now. I I was watching the damn South Carolina basketball game. 
I lost with the spread. They rattled me a little bit. Had to get them <laughs> off my screen. So now that that's out of the way, bunch of jackasses. Uh, anyways, uh, Anthony Nelson, what's your thoughts on his um, improving season and the performance he's done stepping up in the playoffs last week and holding one of the better, if not the best, running team in the NFL while helping hold them to containment in the first half especially? Thoughts on Anthony Nelson and thoughts on getting – um, you know, Joe Tryon, Shoenka, those minutes in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Nelson, I mean, you look at the guy and, you know, he has kind of underwhelmed throughout his career after being a fourth-round pick. Uh, one key stat is this was his first year having a full training camp. He got injured his first year. Last year there was no um, offseason at all because of COVID, and this has been his kind of his first year. And he's definitely take a, taken a, a big step forward. You know, he's, he's going to be a good edge defender uh, setting the run against the run, but he's showing off some, some real splash plays. Uh, we're getting sacks as well and some good pressure plays as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely improved, and I think he's become a, a vital part of this rotation. You know, you don't know what JPP status is next year. Uh, Joe Tryon Shrinka possibly, probably, most likely, definitely should step into a starting role next year and have him as that third guy, you know, that he's just definitely a solid rotational piece. And even Cam Gill too, you know, getting some extra snaps and some extra time in there. He does great work on special teams and he's shown up, you know, a few times in games uh, with a pressure. He's pressures. He's got some, he's got a sack, maybe a sack and a half, I believe. Um, so he, he's looked pretty good too. So, you know, it, it's rounding out to be a really good group, nice group for the playoff run. And uh, the way that they are, you know, I'm sure we'll see JP, unfortunately, JPP snap goes up and definitely Shaq snaps go up uh, as they advance, you know, into the playoffs. But to have those guys come in there and give them a breather, you know, they really stepped up and like almost every position on this team that's dealt with injuries. Now, you know, you have competent backups who can step up and, and you feel comfortable putting them in games in any situation and not just if a guy goes down. And Devin White was the main spy, but they were using JTS as a spy for some parts of the game. I, I, I recognize that for sure. And to have that confidence in a rookie, to give a rookie that confidence and say, hey, go out here and spy Jalen Hurts, you know, one of the premier scrambling. Well, he was number one in the three main rushing categories for quarterbacks this year. They put that faith in JTS and it paid off. So, you know, I think good things to come. Obviously, JPP, a little banged up this year's production hasn't been there. 9-0, though, in the playoffs uh, somehow at the end of the day. So he, he does bring that energy and keeps it going. I know it's not all him, obviously, with this Buccaneer team. Um, there's a lot of moving parts to help that. But three safeties. I want to get the crew's thoughts and then ask you about it. Cats, we'll start with you. What's your thoughts? On our three, well, I, I, honestly, our safeties as a whole, obviously, Edwards, Winfield, Whitehead um, are the three big ones. And then even Adams has been having some um, helpful plays the last couple of weeks as well, had an interception against Carolina. Cats, what say you on our safety room and the impact that the big three make? Well, right off the bat, you saw J Jordan Whitehead make a big play right on that first series, as I recall, and and that just set the tone for the whole game uh, for the for those three. And I believe you want to have your best players on the field uh, at once. So if you can find a way to get them on the field, if you're in a nickel situation and you've got Carlton Davis, and I feel this is how I feel about it, and this is not disrespect Sean Murphy Bunting. I do hope he's back, but in a nickel situation, I'd rather have those three safeties on the field with Dean and Carlton Davis at corner. I think those are the five best 
defensive backs we have. And I think SMB is fine as well, you know, in whatever role they want to put him in. But those to me are the five best. And they were phenomenal in this game. Uh, I still, you know, I felt all year it's the strongest safety group, safety room maybe in the NFL. Unfortunately, they've very rarely been healthy all at the same time. We had that luxury this past week, and we saw how, you know, it paid dividends. So, you know, the more – and I didn't look at the snap counts, but I felt like they they were all on the field quite a bit. I didn't look at Greg's snap counts, though. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but they were all on the field a pretty good amount. Stunna, I'll leave this one up to you. We got a question from Pops on Twitter here. He asked, which of the safeties do you think is most important and why? Stunna, what's, what's your opinion on that? Winfield, because he's the deep middle. But um, Edwards is a ball hawk. And um, uh, Whitehead is, is just a banger. You know, but Whitehead makes a lot of plays in, uh, in the underneath and the sky, you know, playing sky coverage. But Winfield is, 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 is probably, you know, I mean, the most versatile and the best athletic safety we have as well as ball skills. Yeah, JC, how would you say our safety room shakes out before we move on to injuries here quick and whatnot, uh, specifically the big three? Which of those would you prioritize the locking up to a potential long-term deal when their contracts come up? Because they're all going to uh, come up within a couple, of, you know, if not this year, next year. They're, they're all, you know, free agents in a couple of years. Wh- which would you uh, make a priority to stay in the Bay? Yeah, I think Antoine Winfield's probably the most talented, the gifted, the most gifted athlete of the three. Uh, as Stunner said, you know, he uh, it's, it's hard to find good free safeties who are as versatile as left athletic as him. I mean, I'll just bring you back to that play he made. Uh, man, I can't even remember the game now who it was against. But, Colts. Uh, yeah, the Colts. Yeah, well, Michael <laughs> Pittman Jr. I mean, that's just insane. But I think, um, you know, so I would definitely go with him. But Whitehead is so – He's so instrumental on what this Bucks team does, especially against the run, you know, and he's just he's he's a very underrated safety in the league. He's actually a free agent this year. I think he's gonna be a main priority probably after, you know, you look at obviously Godwin, Carlton Davis, and then it's gonna be either, you know, Jensen or, or Whitehead. I think those those are your you know, three, three, a three B priorities that you need to get locked up just because of how important he is. And Mike Edwards is just a great luxury to have. I mean, he, he's, uh, you know, he's got one more year under his deal after this. So he's, he's not going, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, but to have him back there, uh, he's a, he's a hell of a ball Hawk. He's versatile enough to play in the slot, versatile enough to play free safety. Um, you know, having him out there, obviously versatile enough to play, um, you know, when Whitehead's not out there, if you remember the first game, it was him and him and Winfield out there. So uh, that's how I would rank them one, two, three. Um, but I think, like I said, Whitehead is very instrumental with this Bucks run defense does. So, um, you know, if Bowles goes anywhere, look for him to make a strong run at Whitehead. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I could connect the dots there. At first, I wasn't really scared of losing Bowles, but now as these interviews heat up, move. I think, uh, you know, he could be on the move. And we'll get into some coordinator talk here in a bit and see where they might end up or where they're interviewing this weekend even perhaps. But we, we mentioned some injuries. I want to get your your thoughts and maybe your inside info or your ideas of, if anything, on Jensen, Wirfs, Wells, SMB, 
are these injuries a concern? I think worse is more than anything, obviously. But, you know, do any of these four, they all went down either before Sunday's game or during Sunday's game. Jensen, Werbs, Wells all on the O-line and then SMB in that secondary. Obviously, the secondary stepped up, so the O-line's more concerned. But you think we uh, see all of these guys on Sunday, a handful of these guys, and are you concerned about any of these for the long-term playoff effect? You know, I think SMB will probably be back. Um, Jensen, you know, listened to Bruce yesterday saying that his ankle was sore, um, but wasn't really too much. Then, you know, obviously, if it was a significant, really significant injury, I don't think they would have put his mic up out today, um, which is on Twitter. Check that out. Hilarious. He's, he's an amazing audio sound, sound bite. Um, but, you know, I, I think Jensen will probably tough it out and he'll go. Um, you know, it's the tackles for me. Tackles make me the most nervous, and that's Josh Wells who's dealing with a quad injury, and obviously Trishan works with a high ankle sprain. Usually high ankle sprains are a multiple-week issue. You know, you're sitting out for multiple weeks. We're in the playoffs now, so obviously there's not that luxury. So they're going to be working on his ankle all week. Bruce said they'll test they'll, – all those, three of those guys will test it out Friday, and if they can go, then that's that's obviously going to be the prognosis. They'll be able to go. But I would say Wirfs definitely makes me the most nervous. Um, and then Josh Wells, you know, too, because if you can't, if none of those right tackles can go, Bruce has already talked. There's no one else on the team. I mean, you're not bringing up Brandon Walton from the practice squad to start at right tackle in a playoff game. So it's going to be Alex Kappa shifting out to, to right tackle and Aaron Stinney jumping in. And if Jensen can't go, it's either Ryan, Robert Hainsey in at, you know, in a center or you're shifting over. Ali Marpet. So, I mean, it's just, a, it's a patchwork. So you, you got to hope that one of those tackles go. Uh, Josh Wells, obviously is not Trisha Wirfs, but he held up pretty well. But I mean, going up against, you know, some of the Eagles rushers without Josh Slett and going up against Leonard, for, uh, Leonard Floyd and, and Adamkus, um, Aaron Donald is, is a bit of a different, different situation. Von Miller. Yeah. And Von Miller. Yeah. That's a wild pass rush attack. The Rams got, and I do agree. I think, um, you know, Wells could hold his own, but he's banged up now. And Bruce even said perhaps that Wells played the game injured uh, for the most part, yeah. too. Did he not say – didn't he say that, I yeah. believe? Yep. He injured his quad and gutted it out. So, that, yeah, see, noticing at the game, he was on the he was on the bike. Whenever he wasn't in the game, he was on the bike, keeping keeping everything loose and warm. So, I mean, I was wondering why he was on there. We didn't get worded that he got injured until yesterday, so or it came out later Sunday, and then we got what actually was the prognosis yesterday. See, that's toughness, and I do love our backup offensive line, but it comes to the point where you lose a couple, and that's something that's crazy because Bruce was so keen on our health of the offensive line as being a big part and why we're here. Yeah, I mean, best offensive line in the league. That I mean, you're sending three guys in an alternate to the Pro Bowl, and Donovan Smith, we can all agree, probably got robbed the season he had. Finishes a top top ten uh, tackle in the league per PFF. Yeah, he had a beast year. Sonna, what say you? Any injuries concern you on the Jensen Wirfs Wells SMB front? Yeah, definitely Wirfs. I mean, like we know the the Rams front. It's, it's ridiculous, and now we're having injuries on the O line. And I'm telling you, if we can repeat this year with what we've dealt with, man, it's been so tough. It's been a battle every week, and if we can get it done, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be really amazing. It's gonna be an amazing story. 
But uh, yeah, the RO line getting, uh, you know, having injuries is, is very concerning. Our secondary having injuries is very concerning versus Rams team. And uh, Leonard Fournette coming back would be huge. That would be huge. Yeah, that would, and it seems like he'll be back as he tweeted today, um, pretty much saying that he'll see us Sunday. So that's something we're actually going to talk about next. But cats, real quick, any uh, concern with worse Wells Jensen SMB on your behalf? Yeah, very, yeah, very concerned. I mean, you're going up against the Rams. You know, this Rams defense. You know, even if you're at full strength, it's a challenge. It is one I think that at full strength they can handle, uh, not easily, but that. The last two meetings, so three, if you want to go back to the game when I believe Wade Phillips was their, their defense coordinator, that game where we hung 55 on him, that seems like a long time ago. Uh, it's a different Rams defense now uh, than what we saw then. So these last two years, you know, I think we've done an okay job. But, yeah, I mean, without Wor- if Worfs is hobbled, and I have a feeling, this is a gut feeling, that he's going to try to gut it out um, at maybe 50% of what he is. And that's better than a lot of – tackle but it's just been a lot of tackles out there it's just our excuse me it's it's very it's a daunting task and the bucks are going to have to be very creative i believe on how they you know approach this you know how how often can you keep in an extra tight end to help block how often do you bring in an extra alignment i forgot the name of the personnel when you use an extra alignment or an extra tight end is it you're gonna to have to help me out here with the with the name with the names for the different personnel groupings, but you know how you can do that, and then how does it affect your the way you run your offense? Because we're a pass first offense, we like to get the ball down the field, which means Brady has to stand there, hold the ball a little bit long, let those routes develop. It's gonna be very hard to do that uh, given the injuries on the O line and what the Rams possess uh, up front from that pass rush. So what? How are you gonna do it? How, you're gonna to have to probably get the ball out quicker. Something Brady's done, and JC, you've followed him longer than I have, I believe, in his career with the Patriots, with the Bucks run a different style of offense. Can the Bucks come out and adjust the way they like to run their offense to more of a quick passing type of type of game? And of course, catching the football. We saw some drops early in that game. So again, you know, these guys are gonna have to win their matchups. It's, you know, Mike Evans, they're gonna, you know, they're smart defense. They're gonna take him, try to take him away. Gronk, you know, if he's gotta help block. Or one way or another, he's going to be, get taken away. So they're going to have guys are going to have to make plays. Perriman, maybe Grayson if he comes back. Tyler Johnson's been a little disappointing to me this year, maybe a lot even. Uh, so he had a couple grabs this last game. So I'll I'll shut my mouth now and let you all you know give me your opinion on that on if the Bucks can make that adjustment because that's not what they do normally. But you have to find different ways, and this is a situation where they really are going to have to, in my opinion. Yeah, um, JC, do you think that we, we briefly mentioned Lenny F a little bit? You think that Lenny F's uh, return is going to be, be a key part to the game? Obviously, he had such a good year. He got banged up late in the year. Vaughn and Bernard did play pivotal roles in Bernard's return last week as well. And we, as Cad said, we did see some drops out of um, a couple guys last week, primarily. I remember one by Tyler Johnson, um, uh, you know, I'm I, I forgetting what else. But Fournette usually does provide those reliable hands out of the backfield as well. How does he change a game on Sunday if he is back? And do you think he's for sure back? I mean, by Twitter, it sounded like he was back. He pretty much said, see you guys Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal is to get him back. Bruce isn't going to put him out there if he's not being able to run at 100%. But uh, I thought he was going to play a pivotal role. That pass catching back would be a pivotal role, and it turned out to be, uh, you know, a role that Giovanni Bernard stepped up into. I mean, you look at the backs combined had um, over seven catches, uh, but Bernard had, had two drops, you know, out of the backfield, targeted seven times, uh, still put up 39 yards. I think that's a definite part of what uh, Brady's going to use. And, and we've seen it all, all season long. And sometimes where you're like, stop dumping it off to Lenny, right? So right. Um, I think whatever is – Whatever's whoever's open and whoever Brady can find with the pressure and getting that ball up quick enough, he's going to get it to him. That's Leonard Fournette. I think it will be on a handful of plays for sure. Um, do I think he plays? I would probably say I'm at 85% that he plays. I know he posted on Twitter. That doesn't really mean anything. He doesn't have the final say anyways. Um, you know, they're going to have to cut somebody uh, to open up that roster spot, looking probably at cornerback, probably D. Delaney probably is the guy to go. I think they, that's the guy they feel most comfortable to be able to get through waivers and put them on the practice squad because um, they do have one open spot after releasing two players today. So, um, you know, it's – it's uh, yeah, I think he goes. I think I think he's going to go. He's going to play a big part too. He's going to have to. And he's going to have to play a big part on the, on the ground too because if you look at the history against this team, I mean – this season, week three, Brady led the team in rushing in 14 yards. I mean, not not what you not what you want to see. So, any idea on if Rojo returns? And I know uh, quickly, Justin Watson was released and re-signed to the practice squad today. Um, did we see? Uh, you said two were released today, right? Yeah, Sterling Hoffrechter. Uh, oh yes, the, the I forgot about him. And cornerback uh, Bleedy Rare Wilson, he was released too. So he's going to spot on the cornerback. Maybe that's Rashad Robinson. Maybe it's a move that they're going to make later with Delaney, whether it's earlier in the week, whether it's on Saturday. Who, who knows? We'll see what really happens, how that plays out. But um, I think one of those two cornerbacks will be on there. You want to, If you're going to release a cornerback from there, I think it's just Rashad Robinson's going back there right now. But if they have to cut Delaney or something, I mean, just looking at the breakdown of the roster, I don't see many of the guys that you're going to cut. You're not going to get rid of O-line depth right now because you're going to need it if one of these guys can't go. You're not going to get rid of a receiver because you just got rid of a receiver and you need them. So right. there's really no other no other positions I think you're deep enough at that you can let people go. And if you get SMB back, that kind of takes the place of, you know, Delaney anyway. So, yeah, because um, you got Desir and Cockrell. Exactly. So – um, I think Dazir, his veteran status, his, his knowledge and everything, I think that gives him – plus it's an outside guy. That, that gives him that, the leg up. Um, but Rojo, he's still not cutting. Uh, I think he's out of the boot, but still not cutting. I think Rojo is probably shut down until probably the, the Super Bowl. If they make it, I don't think he comes back. I know he doesn't come back this week. And I don't think he comes back next week in the NFC Championship game, whether that's here or, or Lambeau or – wherever it is, if they, if they advance, I mean, it's a big F. I mean, this is, this is not the Eagles. We're not looking at the Eagles and saying, well, they could beat you if you did this, this, and this, and this. And, you know, this is a Rams team that really can come in here and beat you. I mean, in the last three games, you're one and two against them. And it took, you know, it took a, a you want to talk about a shootout, you know, 55 to, to 40 back in, um, 2019. So, I mean, this is a, a team that can really come in here. They're talented. They're probably the second most talented team in the playoffs on both sides of the ball. They can really beat beat the Bucs. This is not a walk. They have to play some of their best football 
of the season in order to advance. And uh, I, I think it gets a little easier after the Rams. Not much, but I just don't like the way this Rams team matches up with the Bucks in certain varieties. Yeah, especially on, you know, some parts of their offense are electric. Cooper Cup has burned us at times. And some parts of their defense, I mean, they got some big playmakers as well. We'll see how our coaches and coordinators do to try and adjust the matchup well with them. And I'll tell you what, Bowles has, has struggled. Bowl, I mean, I've got some yeah. numbers that, you know, uh, shout Not out to terrible. Scott. Shout out to SR. So, in their first meeting in 2019 with Bowles as the coordinator, and McVay obviously as a coach. McVay's had his number. Put up 36, uh, 40 points, 36 first downs, 518 yards, 490 of them passing, and four turnovers in their in the loss. Last year, 27 points, 22 first downs, 413 yards, 376 of them passing, two turnovers, and the 27-24 win over the Bucks. And then this past season, 34 points, 22 first downs, 407 yards, 331 of them through the air. Zero turnovers, 34-24 win. That's alarming numbers that Bulls has still not been able to figure out this opponent. Um, I know you know, the other day the Rams ran it against the Cardinals, ran it for over 100 yards. They don't even try to run it against the Bucks. They don't even try to. I mean, you look back at that 2019 game, total rushing yards, 38. You look at, you look at the game last year, total rushing yards, 37. They scored, They ran the most this past, and this was mostly because 12 of the 24 rushes that they had um, in early this, this year came after they already had the lead, 76 yards. So, I mean, they're just – they don't run it. They they pass it, and they can pass it. McVay's figured that out, and it's going to take a really big game. Now, obviously, there's piece, pieces that aren't here anymore. Robert Woods out. You replace him with OBJ, Deshaun Jackson, who torched the Bucks earlier this year. Three, three catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. He's no longer out there. Uh, and Cooper Cup, you know, he got, if you want to call it, shut down on Sunday against the Rams when he only had, you know, 61 yards and five catches and a touchdown. Still led the team in receptions. Has been an absolute animal against the Bucks. I don't know if you saw the, the stats that John put out earlier today on Twitter, but in <laughs> – in three career games, Cooper Cup's got, uh, in 2019, nine catches, 15 targets, uh, 121 yards and a touchdown. 2020, 11 catches, 13 targets, 145 yards, zero touchdowns. Earlier this year, nine catches, um, nine catches, 12 targets, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Cooper Cup has more yards in three games against Bowles' defense than he does in seven career games against the 49ers. In fact, the only teams that Cup has more yardage against it than the Bucks is Seattle and Arizona. Seattle, they played 10 times. Arizona, they played eight times. Cooper off on this team. So it's going to take a full defensive effort to really limit him. And then, you know, you still have OBJ, and you still got some the tight ends that they utilize that well, and how Cam Makers is back too. So uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for, for this Buccaneers team, especially if, if – um, you know, on the defensive side, but especially on the offensive side, if, if they're missing their all-pro right tackle, because you've got three guys in, in Floyd, Von Miller, and, and Donald that can really get to them, and I, I expect them to be on that right side, even if Trisha Wirfs is healthy and really testing him early in the game. Yeah, and that that's some alarming numbers there. If, uh, if Cooper Cup tears his D apart, we better 
try and find a way to lock him down or whatnot. Um, I know nobody could lock him down, but we could contain him perhaps or hopefully try to contain him. Um, I Let know me ask you a question. Can I jump in yeah, for a second? Ahead, Tom, absolutely. Me, I want to ask your opinion, and, and JC, I want to ask yours as well, because watching what the 49ers have been able to do to the Rams, they play them better than anybody. Is that, in your opinion, is that a personnel thing? The 49ers just have the personnel to match up with them from – they're the 49ers defense, that is, against the Rams offense? Or is it more of what their defensive coordinator and the game that they call that just knows how to combat what Sean McVay does, uh, you know, as opposed to what Todd Bowles does? Is there anything the Bucks can take from that? Maybe watch, you know, it's a copycat league after all. Look at what the 49ers have done over the years to maybe have some success here. No one else replicates it, it seems. Yeah, I think you gotta look. I think you gotta look at that's the first game I'm watching if I'm the if I'm the Bucks is week uh, week eighteen and saying okay, how do they limit them? How do they stop them? You look at what the Cardinals were able to do too against uh, Cooper Cup um, and see okay, how do they limit him? And you, you got to take from other people. Obviously, you got to take from other people. I mean, it's it's a recipe that's you know tried and true in the NFL and see what happens. Right. I think the Bucks have the personnel to do it. I think I, I don't. That's the that's the craziest part because I think the Bucks have the personnel to be able to stop the Rams. I mean, if you look at the the team they have, obviously, you know they they abandon the run for the most part. So they're, but again, this Bucks team too is that's what they want you to do. You know, pass the ball. You know, abandon the run, pass the ball on us, and eventually we're going to make enough plays. Hopefully, our pressure gets there, and that's been you know a situation too. I mean, you look at the Rams this season; they. You know they're tied six in the they're tied six in the league in the regular season for only allowing thirty one sacks. They they have a top ten, um, you know, offensive line even at Andrew or this age still performing lights out. So you know, and to, on the reverse side, you know, they get after the quarterback. They're third in the league with fifty sacks. So you know, it's like it's definitely if. I would definitely look at to see what the what the Niners have done and what other teams have done to limit them because Bulls has had tremendous success. I mean, this is a team that's averaged in three games almost 400, 399 yards passing. I mean, granted, they do average two turnovers as well. So you're getting turnovers out of this team. Right. You're just not capitalizing on it. I think that's something that you're going to have to do is really capitalizing. Remember, too, in that week three contest, Gronk was knocked out, you know, with a rib injury. It was never the same. So – even and and I've said this I said this all week last week I'll say this again Brady's done a lot more with less you know he's still got Evans and he's still got Gronk and these guys are just gonna have to step up around them even Leonard Fournette as well so uh, you know the comforting thing is is how much say that Brady has into these game plans now I mean I thought it was it was shocking I don't know if you guys watched the I am athlete with Shady McCoy but he said you know Brady didn't really wasn't really involved in game planning or didn't really put it as much of his what he wanted to do into it until, you know, the bye week and said, you, you know, according to Shady, he said, he's the, he's the coach on the player. I'm going to do what he asks. And it was like, you're Tom Brady. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm hoping that's what it is because I don't, I don't know how many, how many other people in that building are watching as much tape or more tape than Brady right now. Uh, he's, he's at a different level. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think, I think the offense should be, able, again, the, the, the tackle situation scares me. But if they can get enough, and obviously I think Tampa Tones, you mentioned it, Gronk, he might have to, you know, step in and stay in as, as a blocker as well. He might have to be a blocking tight end, which takes another guy off of your arsenal. Yeah. Everybody else has got to step up. 
And, um, you know, I think they still have the personnel that can that can win this game against this defense uh, on offense. For me, it's really the defense. Can they can they can can they stop McVay's offense? And that's yeah. been tough. And, you know, it's it's they have it in that earlier meeting. You did mention turnovers in the prior two. They didn't get any in the earlier. They didn't. The Bucks didn't turn it over themselves. But they didn't force any. And I don't remember if they really touched Stafford much in that game either, because it seems to me. McVeigh knows, you know, you have to, against this defense, he gets the ball out very quickly if he needs to. He And their receivers block extremely well down the field. So they run a lot of plays. You know, they get the ball out quick. They run a screen. Cup's either blocking. Yeah. If he's not blocking, he's catching it. And Van Jefferson's blocking. It's a very hot, tough offense to defend. And, you know, Todd Bowles likes to blitz a lot. Well, if a team's getting the ball out that fast with a good offensive line, that's a tough matchup for him after he has to kind of go against perhaps what he likes to do. And I think that's maybe why it's been an issue for him. You don't want to change your DNA as a defensive coordinator. You don't want someone to force you to change your game plan, but you just might have to against this particular team based on previous previous meetings. Yeah, that's one thing, you know, too, that um, – yeah. You're gonna have to tackle, you know. If they're getting yeah. the ball out quick, you got to tackle. When you have the opportunity to tackle, you have to do it. I think what what's gonna help them a lot as well is being at home, right? The crowd noise, um, you know, being in your own environment. I know too much gets made of cross country flights and yada yada yada. You know, it's a six hour flight. They're flying in on Saturday. If they fly in on Saturday, they gotta turn around, get used to the time adjustment, and get out. These guys are professionals. They've done it for years now. I don't think that's a huge. You know, they've done that since college. So I don't think that's as big as a deal as a lot of people make it out to be. It's still something. You know, the Bucks get to. They're at home, so they get those extra days at the facility, extra nights at the facility. They get that whole extra Saturday at the facility where they can get that, continue to get that training, continue to get that treatment done. A guy like Trisha Wurfs or Josh Wells or Ryan Jensen, uh, even Leonard Fournette, who, you know, statuses might be up in the air. They have that ability. You sleep in your own bed. You're comfortable. You wake up. You drive to the stadium. It's game day. You know, so that that doesn't – that plays a part, but not as much. But I think crowd noise. I mean, you know, I mean, Stunning, you said you were there. I, I'm going to call – some of the Bucks fans out. I think they need to be louder. You know, the loudest that stadium was, and I get it. The Bucks took, you know, they took the lead and they ran away with it. So there's not much when the Eagles aren't moving the ball, you know, what's the, you know, we're just going to shoot in the ass, you know, talking, having a couple of drinks at that point, you know, we'll get a little bit loud on the defense when the guy tells us to get loud on third down. But other than that, um, I think they're going to be louder. The loudest they were was when Jump Around came on. You know, <laughs> you know we were in the press box. Like, this is the loudest the crowd's been the entire time. So, uh, you know, I, I'm calling the fans out there going to be there. You need to get louder. You need to make it impossible for Matt Stafford to communicate to his O-line and receivers on Sunday because I think that's going to be um, not a key to victory, but it's going to sure as heck be helpful. Yeah, I There's plenty of tickets available. <laughs> I've got some too. Hit me up. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could get down there, man. I've been it. I I'm I'm thinking about it. that'd be something. But um, real quick here, we got a couple more questions, and then uh, we're already almost pushing time here, so we gotta make sure uh, you know, we end in timely fashion. But Bowles and Leftwich are interviewing. Bowles has a couple big ones lined up this weekend. Do you think anything comes of those interviews? Do you think we lose either Bowles or Leftwich next year? You know, I think you could lose one of them. I mean, maybe both. I mean, Jacksonville's having their second interview with Matt Eberflus of the, the Colts. 
Uh, I haven't heard if he's, they're going to interview Byron Leftwich. I know that the, the fans want Byron Leftwich, obviously, former Jacksonville Jag. Um, so if he goes, you know, that's one thing. And then the Raiders are looking like they're going to interview Todd Bowles now. He's got appointments with the Vikings, the Bears. have already interviewed with the Jags and a few other teams. Um, so there's a definite possibility both of these guys could go. The thing that makes me nervous the most is not that they go. It's who do they bring. And not just who do they bring as players, as most people think. Who do they bring as coaches? Does does Byron Leftwich say, hey, I'm bringing Kevin Garver as my OC, who could be the next OC in, in Tampa? Does um, Byron say, hey, I'm bringing uh, Larry Foote over as my DC? Or does or does uh, Todd Bowles say that? Or, you know, do they ravage this coaching staff is, is my fear, really, because now Bruce is having to put together a whole new coaching staff in a year where, you know, if they win the Super Bowl, if they lose the Super Bowl, Really doesn't matter at that point because you know you've got another year of Brady. Does Brady decide he wants? To, there's a whole new coaching staff in place. Do they? Does he decide he wants to come back? Does Brady even come back if they if he wins another championship? Does him and Bruce right after the sunset when all the coordinators leave and they say, "All right, someone else is going to figure it." There's a lot of things to play out. Like like you know, I fully think Brady's going to be back. I fully think BA's going to be back. I'm just throwing scenarios out, but you know, and then you start looking at players, you know, does, like I said, if Byron leaves, if um, Bowles leaves, does he try to bring Whitehead with him? Does he try to bring William Golston, who sounds like he wants to finish his career in Tampa, but still, you know, does he try to, you know, bring other guys with him? Carlton Davis. Does he try to say, okay, I'm going to throw all this money at Carl. I want to throw all this money at Carlton Davis and I want to throw all this money at Jordan Whitehead. And I want to get these two guys to be the foundation of my secondary, my safety and my cornerback. Does Todd Bowles do the same thing to the bucks? Does he say, okay, we need offensive line. I want Jensen. I want Kappa. Let me take both of these guys. Let me take, you know, let me throw a crazy offer at Chris Godwin. You know, if he doesn't get tagged, let me, you know, if he goes to Jacksonville, I mean, one thing that, that I think Chris wants to, and, and his family, Mariah, wants to do is stay in, in you know, warm weather location. Well, Jacksonville's a warm weather location. Byron's going to be there. He's going to toss you the, a bag full of money. You're getting some guys you know. You know, like, th- there's multiple, like, different scenarios other than just the coaches going. It's, it's who do they try to bring? Who do they try to trade? Who do they try to take for coaching staff? So, yeah, to answer your question in a very long way, I think both of these guys could be gone. And, you know, the ramifications are, are what scares me more than them leaving to, to go be head coaches. It's like, what else did they do? Who do they pilfer? <laughs> you Who know, versus? That's something that I really didn't think about for whatever reason, the ramifications of what players or coaches could depart, who they could pick from the tree. You know, we have some bright younger coaches or and some good veteran ones on our staff as well. And we got a lot of good players who are coming up in free agency as well, too. So we're going to have to, you know, really buckle down, hope we see these guys back. And uh, if Byron leaves, like you said, a guy like a Godwin, maybe an O-lineman, or if um, Bowles leaves, a guy like a Whitehead or a guy like a Davis, you never know if those guys would maybe follow suit because they do have their ring at the end of the day and they're probably looking for the bag, especially Godwin. You know he's looking for money now. We got a couple more minutes with JCL, and I want to ask you one more, then I'll let the guys, if they want to ask any more, then we'll get your final thoughts and bounce out of here. Bucks protect four on the practice squad. Brown, McElroy, Barner. So you got Brown, uh, John Brown, wide receiver, Cody McElroy, tight end, Kenyon Barner, returner slash running back, and then backup kicker, Jose. Um, Borgales. Borgales. My guy. 
Thank you. I, I, I was struggling already. Any significance to those four being the four that have been kept for this week? And uh, do you see any of them getting elevated? I know Jose won't unless something were to happen to uh, Ryan Suckup. Yeah, I mean, I think Jose Borgales, he was, you know, the best kicker in, in football last year, won the uh, Lou Grazo Award. So, you know, same thing you did with Greg Joseph last year. You kept the kicker on the on the protection list every single game uh, throughout the season. You're going to do that with Jose Borgales. They're going to protect him. And then he'll probably, you know, there's a good chance because his leg is a little bit stronger. And Bruce has been critical of Brian Suckup in his leg. They'll probably have an open competition next year for that kicking spot. I would not be surprised if that happens. As far as Ken John Barner, um, guy stepped up and it was your return man when Jalen Darner was out. So he's, I mean, he makes, he's a logical fit. And if uh, you got a guy in, it was elevated this week, didn't dress, was inactive, but was elevated. If, if Fournette can't go, he gives you another third or potentially fourth running back with Le'Veon Bell and, and Geo back now. So definitely some significance there. Something happens to Darden. You have him readily available to upgrade to, um, to, to take over those return duties. Um, even if you think Darden's not ready enough, you know, if if you in, inactive Darden and then act, activate Ken John Barner, you might be doing so for a guy like John Brown, who has four years in Arian system, spent, you know, had his first thousand yard season, spent four years drafted the third round in Arizona when, when Arians was there. So, you know, if he's, you know, so far, Bruce has said he's gotten up to speed pretty well. If he can catch up fully, I mean, he's, Definitely an upgrade over some of the guys you have. He's a burner still. He's got some wheels on him. Um, so, I mean, you, you go out there and maybe he's a guy that gets activated and he's playing a, a significant role at wide receiver. We'll see. We'll find out. Or at least maybe a surprise role, right? You're rolling him out there for certain plays that, you know, you practice all week. Who knows? And as far as Cody McElroy, he was activated the last two weeks, elevated the last two weeks. So, you know, he's that extra tight end insurance policy. If they want to go jacks again and they can't do it with – with, you know, Aaron Stinney, they want to go with Cody McElroy. He just provides another guy out there, another receiving option as well, uh, more of a receiver than a blocker. So, you know, when you've got all these targets going down, you have to make sure you have, have replacements. So um, all those guys, yeah, significant, um, except obviously for Jose B this week, there's no significance unless Suckup gets COVID. But he was, he's, uh, he's, been, he's been protected every week since week two. Week one, he wasn't protected because he was one of those guys that was held off to the very last minute after protections already came out while guys started coming back from injury. And then he was waived. He was one of the final waves cut downs, you know, after everything and then signed back to the practice squad. So he's been, he's been protected since then. It sounds like he's a good one to hang on to perhaps yeah. for next year's kicking competition. Nothing against suck up, but like you said, maybe you could expand the leg horizon a little bit there. Um, on terms of yardage and whatnot. Stunna, Katz, you guys got any more questions for JC before we get his things to watch out for on Sunday and bounce out of here? Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned John Brown because I was we were talking about him last week and I was thinking, is it too late to integrate him into an offensive game plan regardless of the fact that he's familiar with Arian's offense? But I will say and just think about it now, if so, does he provide potentially an upgrade over a guy like Perryman or Tyler Johnson or whomever else? I mean, can he step in and make an impact this late in the in the playoffs, no less? It just seems like a lot to ask for. 
I mean, it's not like they brought him up. I mean, they brought him off the street, but it's not like he's been on the street all season long. He he went to training camp. If you remember, he was with the uh, he was with the Oakland Raiders. Asked for his release, was granted his release. Uh, then he he's bounced around. He did a stint on the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad with two games played. He did a stint on the Denver Broncos practice squad with two games played. I believe he was with somebody else too at, prior Buffalo? to that. Was it uh, Buffalo? Well, well, he was with Buffalo up until this past season. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, he was with the Raiders all – so he had a full off-season, uh, off-season with the Raiders, get his body right. I'm sure after that, you know, he's a professional. He's probably made sure he was in shape all season waiting for a phone call. He got that phone call in October, uh, two weeks with the, with the Broncos on the practice mm-hmm. squad, up, you know, brought up to the to – the, um, to the active roster off the elevations. Then two weeks with Jacksonville and their practice squad, again, brought up to the active roster. So he hasn't played a game since November, late November. Um, he signed on January 13th. So you're looking at a month and a half that he hasn't been playing, but this guy's not out of shape. Um, you know, lo- looking at his, his worst, some of his worst seasons in his worst season – playing more than 10 games, 517 yards, 30 of, you know, (laughs) coincidentally, it was the same year. 30 yards was his longest catch of the season, 75, 68, 52, 71, 53, 46. So, I mean, the guy can still get down the field. can still score touchdowns. He can still get some yak. He's not a turnover guy. He's only had two fumbles in his entire career, which, and he only lost one of them. Um, you know, he's, he can, he offers a little bit in the end around game too. So, you know, I definitely think he can, he can help, but it's not going to be like, Hey, you're starting, go out there and start opposite Mike yeah. Evans, but Hey, yeah. go in here for about 10, 15 plays a game, you know, utilize you in certain looks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's something too that nobody has tape on. Right. I mean, you have right. tape to go all the way back to what he looked like in Bruce Arians offense. But you don't have it. What it looks like in this Bucks offense, you have it with the Cardinals, not with the Bucks. So, I mean, if you do you roll him out against this matchup, which I think is probably the, one of the toughest matchups you're going to have all throughout the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would definitely work on some things at training camp. Uh, I mean, practice during the week and elevate him and roll him out there. And it's a look that the that the Rams haven't seen on tape yet. So, hell yeah, use him for whatever you can. Well said. Good points. Yeah, I, I wish Smoke Brown would have wore number 81. That would have been epic. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit last week. I know he's number 89 or whatnot, but that would have been something for the ages to uh, talk about. Stunna, you got any last questions for JC before we get his final thoughts and bounce out of here? JC, do you find that the media of the Tampa Buccaneers is particularly antagonist against our head coach of players, or is it something that territory and all 32 put up with it. Bro, I am the media. <laughs> well, um, I think you know who I, I – that's why I'm not trying I, to – I know what you're saying. I know what you're trying to say. And, you know, I don't know if it's – and I don't know if it's – We're not coming at you, brother. We're not. No, but I'm just saying. It's like, okay, you want me to bash my peers and go see him tomorrow. <laughs> no, but I, I think, you know – we have a job to do out there and it's not always going to be what the fans want to hear. You know, it's not always going to be what the fans like. I mean, Rick Stroud got torn apart for the fake backs card. He was right, you know, and then bada bing, bada boom. 
Brown has a meltdown. You know, was that the catalyst of it? Maybe. Was it the catalyst that they didn't guarantee his his incentives? Maybe. I don't know what it was. But the fact is, you know, when we're presented a, a, a story or we're presented something, um, and trust me, you know, I don't, I, I don't think necessarily the whole Andrew Adams. I think that might be something you're alluding to. Uh, was was a was an, a story. But it happened. You gotta talk. You gotta at least ask about ask what happened, why it happened. Otherwise, we don't have any context to why it happened, what happened, why it happened, you know, etc. So there's definitely questions out there and, and stories that are written that you know maybe not paint the bucks in the best of picture. But it's a job we have to do. You know, it's like it's like if we call for a head coach. You know, it's like the okay. I'll put myself out there. Two weeks ago, I asked Byron Leftwich um, about scheming players open because as fans feel and as I feel and as other people feel watching the game, sometimes it looks like they're relying on talent and they're not scheming guys open enough. You know, finding way, creative ways to get guys open. So I asked them, are you guys scheming guys open? Because we do that every week. You're more concentrated effort without Antonio and Chris Godwin trying to scheme guys open and get creative together. We do that every week. So I asked them again about first down runs because, as many Bucks fans know, and as media, we, you know, there starts to be a trend of first down runs. You're, you're putting yourself into second and seven, and then you're third and seven, and you're not converting those thirds down. You know, are they getting predictable? He pretty much called it a fantasy football question. You know, he doesn't know that's not a real football question. But the next game came out. And there was less first down runs, you know. Um, I'm not saying that's because of me or whatever, but I'm just saying, you know, there's things that, that the ordinary fan can see. We don't – or the ordinary or just the regular media person can see that the coach that were like, why can't you see this? Why can't you do this? Whatever. And it's our job to kind of ask why, if we're noticing something, why can't you see it? So someone's going to paint them in, in glorious pictures. You know, when we asked about, you know, guys making the Pro Bowl or we asked the Cyril Grayson story about Tom Brady, you know, how he, he was like, you know, he, he's like, I'm hard on you because I believe on you. We get those gems too. But the media has put down a lot more when they bring up Antonio Brown's back, back's card or Antonio Brown throws a bike at a gatekeeper or, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, we asked Bruce Arians why he slaps Andrew Adams on the, on the shoulder pad and, and helmet, you know. So it, there's, there's multiple tiers to it. Um, fans aren't always going to understand why media do what they do. And media is never is always never going to stand why fans are fanatics sometimes, you know, and it just goes hands in hand. So, again, another long answer to a shorter question. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not going to allude on our media much. I do appreciate all your guys' work, and you guys put in hella work. And I got my favorites like you, Pat Donovan, and whatnot and so forth. But I know everyone has jobs to do and whatnot. I feel like a couple people do go. A little above, you know, you could even sense the frustration in Bruce's voice when a certain media member does ask him some questions and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I think we all know the one media member that we're alluding to here a little more than others. You could tell the frustration in not only Bruce's voice, but in the players' voices, too, when um, this. But, hey, I love your work. I love Pat's work. I love Evan Winter. He does great work. A lot of you guys do do great work. So, uh Keep it up, my friend, and we do appreciate all of Pewter Report. Honestly, don't have a problem with any of you gentlemen. You guys all put in some very good work, and uh, you guys keep it pretty professional. And Greg Allman, man, he is a gem as well. Greg's great. 
I love Greg and his snap counts are beautiful and everything. Hey, if you want a little more detailed snap counts, make sure you head over to the Peter Report because John breaks down not just the, the screenshots of the snap counts, but breaks down what they mean. So definitely check that out at Peter Report. For the you can glimpse it on Twitter with Greg first. I won't steal you. I won't steal Greg's his likes and retweets from you. But definitely check it out on Peter Report because John Reddy does an amazing job of breaking it down and what it actually means and what it looked like in the game uh, besides just the screenshots. So. Well, great. He does great, and Mr. Atwell is great too. From what oh, I wanted Paul to Atwell. jump in, Paul, if you guys right, are Paul, Paul, Atwell. Paul Atwell, follow him right now. If you want to become more knowledgeable about the game and about what's really going, like Paul does great. And join, make sure you guys tune into our pregame and and in game live in game breakdowns where Paul and John just do a phenomenal job. It's not like commentary that, like, you know, oh, when he breaks it down to the 15 and then that's a touchdown, you know. <laughs> They're breaking down. Well, what did you see on this one? This play, it looks like it was two zone, you know, two cover high. It was, it's just amazing. It looks like he ran this route on that, you know. So if you want to get more knowledge, like I, I tell you, some of, <laughs> some of the stuff I used in my writing, I, I get while I'm watching them, watching the game, covering the game. So they're, they're doing amazing. Paul job. is, I, I've seen, I've read some of Paul's stuff and he's just on top of, uh, and John and Paul both, but Paul especially is, you know, opened my eyes a bit because I wasn't familiar with him before this season. He's just on top of everything. You know, I noticed he had a stat that when running play action last week, I think we were six out of eight uh, on with play action. Now that's a low number of attempts. Although, granted, it was a lot became a lopsided game, and that, at that point, he just wanted to kind of run out the clock. But you know, he's harped on it, and I've always wondered too. You know, I believe. You know, for a long time, it used to be when I was growing up, well, in order to run play action successfully, you have to run the ball first. So that's yeah. shown not to be true anymore. I do want to ask you this, though, going into this game, because the Rams are such a pose, such a larger threat defensively, so much more than the Eagles. Can that still be, in your opinion, as effective against a team like the Rams? Just given because obviously Brady's great with it, I believe, because just that extra split second that freezes the defense. You know, any edge he can get, you know, will benefit him. But can it work as effectively if against a, a defense this tough, missing, potentially missing an O-lineman, can they still pull that off and be successful with it, in your opinion? And, and you know, I'm going to I'm gonna take part of what Paul just tweeted about an hour ago. Um, okay. It's going to become an issue as opponents dare Johnson, Perriman, and Miller to win their matchups rather, you know, that's what it's going to be a part of, whether it's first zone or first man. Um, you know, teams are going to say, hey, you're, we're going to lock down these guys. You know, if the tackles can't go, Brock's going to stand and help block. And Evans matched up on Jalen Ramsey. Who's had some success against? I'm not going to say, you know, he has not, you know, Jalen Ramsey's gotten the better of him every time because that's not nowhere, nowhere near the truth. I mean, you look at what he was able to do. Um, uh, this season alone, I mean, eight catches, 106 yards, and then last season, he, he still did pretty well against them. You know, uh, you know, with uh, five for 49 and a touchdown, uh, and even the the prior year, I mean, it went. I mean, Godwin had the game, but Mike Evans still 489 and a touchdown. So he's been able to do some stuff on on Jalen Ramsey. Um, yeah, he dragged it, him into the end zone, didn't he? Yeah. Wait, wasn't he one of those guys he dragged in into yeah, the end so, zone two years but, ago? Yeah, last but, year. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, okay, can the rest of the guys, can the rest of the guys do it? And that's going to be the biggest thing because if they do the play action and freeze the defense for a second, but Gronk is in blocking and Evans is, is blanketed, 
Now it comes on to everybody else to be able to make that play, and that's the biggest thing. Teams are going to start right. daring. It's going to start this week. They're going to dare you to make that play. And they're going to come up. Good with answer, it. and that's and it's still I I still agree with what Paul says. You know, they need to use it more, but you're right, it won't might not work as well, given that the the usual complement of weapons are not there, and the O line might be banged up. Now, if the O line can hold up, eventually. You'd think any receiver, if you have enough time, is going to be able to find a way to come open. But yeah, then, and it's you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry to interrupt. Kyle Murray had four seconds to throw. You know, Brady was getting the ball out in one point two seconds. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're giving Brady half of that. You know, you're giving Brady two and a half seconds, two and a half seconds to throw the ball. He's going to find some guys. He's going to run through his progression and pick you, pick you apart. Again, this is this, Brady. Brady's seen this defense. He saw it twice in the past two years. He saw it once in the Super Bowl that he, that was able to beat. Like he's seen this defense, um, and the Bucks at this point have seen this offense. Maybe not with OBJ, you know, maybe not with Cam Akers, but they've seen enough of it. Uh, it's going to come down to coaching, really. I think it's going to be a big test of coaching. Byron calling the plays on offense, and Bowles being able to make the right adjustments, reads, and calling the right plays on defense to put them in, to put the players in position to win. Remember, players play coach coach. It's going to come down to coaching. Tom McVay is a hell, heck of a coach, and Raheem Morris is too, whether you like him or not. <laughs> He's a pretty good coach. Well, and I thought Arizona came out last night. I don't know if it, it was a little bit of both, I think. You know, well, they didn't I have mean, a particularly think... good game plan, and they didn't execute whatever they were doing well. And Murray Arizona looked like a quarterback. First start. Yeah. Arizona was the Eagles, right? Arizona versus Eagles in a, in, a, in, a, in a wild card game or in a playoff game would have been a good matchup, right? I mean, you're dealing with Kyler right. Murray um, and Cliff Kingsbury, no playoff experience at all. You know, you're and dealing it with Jalen like Hurts and Sirianni, no playoff experience at all as, as head coach and quarterback. You're dealing with banged up issues on all sorts of different parts of it, you know, the wide receivers, everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I this was inevitable. You know, the only thing yeah. that was stopping this matchup was the Cowboys, and obviously they don't know how to do anything, right? Just choke everything away. You know, so, like, I knew this was going to happen. Everyone everyone was like, oh, let's hope the Cardinals the Cardinals might have a chance. No, Cardinals don't have a chance to win. It was going to be the Rams and Bucks this round no matter what. Um, I thought it was inevitable back in week three that we were going to see them again at some point. I felt yeah. that. You know, a lot of people thought it would be the NFC title game. Green Bay's had a great year, so that's it's not the NFC title game. But yeah, I felt too back in week three. I'm like, regardless of what happened in this game, we're going to see him a second time, and here we are. JC, before we let you go, my friend, what are your big things to watch out for in Sunday's matchup? What what are you going to keep an eye on uh, specifically? And do you got a score prediction for Sunday's game? I don't have a score prediction yet. Um, We'll be on the lookout for it later this week. It'll be out Friday. Peter predictions, previews and predictions. You'll, you'll be able to check that out. Um, I do think the Bucks are able to get this done. I reserve the right to change my mind going into the week, <laughs> uh, depending on Friday, depending on how the rest of the next three days shake out. Um, <sighs> protection, protecting Brady. You know, that's one of the biggest things on offense is you got to protect Brady. You can't let these three big boys disrupt too much. And, you know, that, that starts with not only the offensive line protecting Brady, but also his wide receivers protecting him by winning their matchups and getting open and giving him an outlet to throw the ball to. You know, it, it goes hand in hand with, with line protection and with guys being able to separate and win their matchups. Um, because if, if the line gives you just enough to get rid of the ball, 
you got to be able to make the play and make the catch. So that's that's one thing that I'm really looking at on, on offense. On defense, it's, you know, players got to execute and got to tackle. I feel like we've been saying this, you know, the entire game. Obviously, mistake-free football goes without saying, you know, at this point in, the, in, in your season. You know, no turnovers, no stupid penalties. That goes without saying, even though I just said it. Um, <laughs> but I think defensively, you gotta you gotta come to play. It's time to net up or shut up. You gotta make tackles when you need to make tackles. Um, you know, Cats alluded to how good this team is. You know, catching the ball and yards after catch and setting up blocks down the field. Well, you gotta make sure you're getting them at that when, when you have that opportunity to 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 do it early. Um, so I mean, that's a big thing. And then Bulls just making sure. You got to figure out McVay, man. You got to figure him out. You can't let this this game be a shootout, and you can't let this game. You can't let them score another 400 yards, you know, and, and consistently convert first downs. That's been a huge thing for this Bucks is letting teams keep drives going. Obviously, it wasn't last week, but I mean it was the Eagles. But you know, against good teams, that's what they need to do. So I mean, uh. Yeah, I think those two are thing, the, the, the two biggest things that I'm looking for um, for the for the Bucks is protection and and tackling and actually three and Bowles just being able to come up with a good game plan. You saw he did it in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, right? Granted, they were missing some tackles and stuff like that, but and some offensive linemen. But you saw the defense probably have their best game, and the team itself has its best game. I think you probably need your best game now. Yeah. Not that you don't need your best game in this, if you made it to the Super Bowl, but I think to even have a chance to get there, you can play a little sloppy next week in Green Bay, I think, and still get away with a win. I don't think so against this Rams team. you got to play your best football game of the season right now. And for and what it's worth, if you want to draw a parallel, you know, Kansas City, he was getting facing them for a second time last season. and And again, here he's facing the Rams for a second time. And we started to see some good things in the second half of that first KC game last year. I know this year, not so, maybe not so much in whatever. But, you know, it is a second meeting. So he does have a chance to look back on the tape from earlier this year, much similar to last year, perhaps. Yeah. Hopefully. Trying to speak it into existence. Anyway. Uh, right, right. I mean, the other two times before this year didn't help. So hopefully the one earlier this year did help. We'll see. Right. I think they have the right. I think they have the talent and personnel to do it to get the job done on defense. It just it's it's all about it's all about coming up with a unique game plan to be able to accomplish that and the players actually executing it. So that's yeah, what, I agree about. with you there completely. Packers, you got a little wiggle room. We've seen it last year with Brady throwing three interceptions, perhaps. You know, I know it's a different year, different team, but JC, we kept you way too long already, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, brother. We we had great talks. We went way over the limit, but that's what happens when you're having good conversations, my friend. Absolutely. We do appreciate it. Awesome. Always, always a pleasure to come on here whenever I can. You know, I'll make time for you guys. Um, hey, it's going to be a heck of a week. It starts tomorrow with practice, walk through, Wednesday walkthroughs. Uh, then we'll know a little bit more on Thursday, a little bit more on Friday, and then games coming on Sunday. It's going to come quick. So hopefully they can turn, they can write this ship around injury-wise and uh, pull out that dub. Yeah, hopefully if we keep winning, we could either get you back Pro Bowl or Super Bowl week somewhere in that span and uh, sure. do this all over again, brother. Sounds good. Talk to you guys later. Thanks again. That's J.C. Allen from Pewter Report. You could follow him at J.C. Allen NFL on Twitter. He's been tremendous in the Bucks media in such a short time. He's he's really been a great ad. And um, I'm, I'm sorry for keeping him, but, you know, we've had some great things 
to talk about tonight. We we thought it'd be a short show, ended up being a long one. Cats, any last words before we bounce out of here? No, I kept asking questions, but I really wanted to hear his opinions on some of them. So, no, that's no, all I've they got. They were great. They were all great, A, and it was very good content. It was great content. He really did add add some great insight. So, no, that's all I've got. Thanks again, Tones, for having me. And uh, I'm going to sign off. Go Bucks. And yes, go Bucks. Go Bucks, go Bolts, brother, and uh, go Tampa all around. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. You too, my friend. That's ACAT, uh, one of the great crew members here. So we're wiggling down here. It's been fun. It was JC, Cat, and myself, and now it's just my big head on screen. So I'm bouncing out before it gets a little wild. Thanks again, everybody. It's been fun. The Bucketeers podcast is out. Cleve and me did say Rondé and Wayne to Hall of Fame should be no-brainer. I agree. Wayne and Rondé should be Hall of Famer. Um, Reggie Wayne and Rondé Barber, that is. And Chamberlain says, Go Bucks. I agree. And Go Bucks. Go Bucks, everybody. See you guys Thursday night, 6 Central, 7 Eastern for the Bucketeers. I'm Tampa Tones. It's been a pleasure on tonight's show. Thanks again, JC Allen, for Pewter Report. We love you guys over at Pewter Report. Go follow him and go check him out at JC Allen NFL. Go to pewterreport.com for your latest and greatest Buccaneers news. Scott Reynolds, Matt Batera, and the rest of the gang. Thanks, everybody.